to the Owlish Folk, a podcast that answers questions about the English language. I'm Amanda, and with me is Dave. Just a warning, do not instigate a fight with him, for he will certainly turn you into a meacock. A what cock? <laughs> Pardon me, a meacock. <laughs> oh, what's a, a meacock? So, a meacock can be used as a noun and an adjective, right. meaning an effeminate person, or a coward or a weakling. I would turn someone into a meacock. Yes. Where does that come from? So the spelling of the word is M-E-A-C-O-C-K. And the OED claims that the origin and the etymology are of unknown origin. It is a mystery. Yes. But there is some speculation that it could perhaps have been an unrecorded pet form of the female name Maud. No. Yeah. Maud... Meacock. Yeah, so if you're dating somebody named Maud, she could be your little meacock. But obviously, when you hear the word meacock, what bird is associated with that? A peacock? Yeah, a peacock. But there is no apparent semantic connection with the peacock to the meacock. But anyway, meacock is sort of a strange word, and the reason why I chose it is because it comes right after the pronoun me in the OED. Why is that relevant? Mm-hmm. It is relevant because... It is related to today's episode. So what is today's question, Dave? Well, today's question is, why do we capitalize the pronoun I in English? It's a great question. Right. And it's something that I hadn't really thought about until I was asked. And I assumed the answer was simply because it is important. We capitalize proper nouns. We would capitalize someone's name. Yeah, you're right. And it does highlight the importance of the writer. So if you see a capital I, you know that it refers to the writer or the author. And so it feels so natural to us now. So we would always capitalize I as a a writer. Interestingly enough, English is the only language that capitalizes the first person pronoun. See, this makes it really odd. And this is why the question is interesting, because we know where it comes from. Right. I comes from the Germanic. Yes. Ish, ich, mm-hmm. and uh, it was spelled I-C, but lowercase, right. I-C. And then as the sound changed, and this kind of um, goes back to the silent letters issue, the sound changed and the spelling gradually changed to reflect the pr- uh, pronunciation. Uh, ish became E, mm. became I, and then we started writing it with just the lowercase I. So we just gave the, yes, the lowercase I mm. to represent I as the pronoun, but people were inconsistent with spaces between words, and um, these lowercase letters were often strung together into uh, longer sentences, and lowercase I was lost often. And often there was no um, dot above the I. That's right. So this was just if it was like a will I, mm-hmm. then this lowercase I just got lost with all these upstrokes of the yeah. pen. So to mark it out as a distinct word, the scribes would write a longer lowercase i to show that this is, this is a, the pronoun. Um, then when printing came in, there was no typesetting for this. There was no actual uh, character to use in print as a longer i. So the capital I was adopted to represent the pronoun. And you know, you mentioned something about silent letters. We talked in the silent letter episode that we had Episode two. Yes, episode two. Uh, You mentioned the word capital 
and cap, and we talked about the coming from head. Right. And that's where capitalize comes from. Capitalizes comes from capital, meaning head. It's associated with importance. And when you're using the pronoun I, that's an important word. It represents. Interesting. So, right. So um, it, they're given the word capital for these capital letters yeah. just to show their importance. Mm-hmm. Cap coming from cap, the same cap as wearing a baseball cap or cap captain. Yeah. Cap Capital city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decapitate. Aiku. <laughs> yeah, but it is strange that out of all of these pronouns, only I is capitalized, you know? Right. So this is where the, the question became interesting for me, where uh, I assumed, oh, because it replaces a proper noun, mm-hmm. this is why we capitalize it, which is now we know not the case. That's right. So then I thought, why wouldn't we capitalize you? And... That's explained. U is not a single letter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't lost in the same way in a sentence. So it didn't need to be marked out as distinct uh, with a capital letter. Yeah. I is the most commonly used word in spoken English. Really? Yes. And it's also used more by followers than leaders and used more by truth tellers than liars. That is interesting. Mm. I also found some other good information Tell me about, about it, yes. uh, social psychology of pronouns. Women use the first person singular pronoun, well, pronouns more than men. Mm-hmm. But men and women use the first person plural we words, we, us, our, at the same rate. Right. Kind of a little ditty. Yes. But I found a really good anecdote. Okay. So this comes from a book that I read recently, The Secret Life of Pronouns by James Pennebaker. And he's a social psychologist that connects language and psychology. So he runs a lot of these studies on linguistics and especially on how pronouns are used and how they are reflected in society and psychology. And it's really cool. But there was this one anecdote in the book about the 2004 U.S. presidential election between John Kerry and George W. Bush. So during that election, Kerry was more popular and leading in the polls, but his advisors, who at the time were supposed to be the best advisors in politics, he, they felt that he used I too much. So they encouraged him to use we words, like we, us, and our, more. And they encouraged that because they felt that his speech techniques made him seem really inauthentic, aloof, and arrogant. Even though he was using we as kind of an inclusive term. Right. So I is just the more natural. I guess if it's the most commonly used word, mm-hmm. if he's avoiding that, it would seem weird. So if he uses I more, that I guess that makes sense. Yeah, well, I is associated with honesty yeah. and kind of offers a personal connection. And when you're going to vote for somebody, you're looking for that. Mm. But the problem is, in politics, those we words are really cold and impersonal. Right. I See, I would have assumed the absolute yeah, opposite. Yeah, me too. But it does make sense. If mm. you want to make a connection with people, you don't just use the appropriate words right. to, make, to show that you're together. You've got to sound normal. Yeah, so they did a really bad job in advising him. They told him to do the opposite of what he really should have done uh, because they didn't understand the power of pronoun usage. So his ratings declined and Bush was elected. We already said I comes from um, 
ich, ish, mm -hmm. to e, to i, and then the spelling change reflects that. Mm -hmm. What about you? Well, I haven't even finished with i. Okay, I have tell all me. this stuff to say about yeah. i. Okay, tell me more I about i. Well, in 1000 BC, the letter i came from the Paleo-Hebrew yod, and that represented hand. But it was developed from a pictograph representing an open hand with some fingers extended. So I know that the audience can't see the motion that I'm doing, but I'm putting my hand out and kind of pulling in the fourth, the ring finger and the pinky. So as if you're doing a gun gesture. Kind of, except the thumb is extended as well. So think about the Roman letter Z. Z, yes. Okay. And then there is a crossbar attached to the stem. Now, crossbar is a term of typology anatomy. And think about the letter, the capital letter F. You have the straight line down, that's the stem. And then you have the two crossbars that go from, you know, if you're writing F, yes. you would write the stem first and then you would do the top crossbar from left to right, and then the one in the middle. So this Z has a crossbar on the left-hand side underneath the first crossbar of the Z. Does it go right through the stem? No, it doesn't. It doesn't go through it. Right, okay. Yeah, it doesn't go entirely through it. Maybe we could put an, this character in the notes for mm -hmm. the episode? Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Okay, we'll try yeah. and do that. But the Greeks adopted the yod, the Hebrew yod, to create the letter iota with a vertical squiggle. And by 700 BC, it was the straight line that we use today. So it's just shifted in shape That's as right. it's shifted in sound. That's, That's right. interesting. Because yeah. the Hebrew character yod, it represents just a small diacritic mark. That is actually called the tittle, which is the dot the diacritic above a letter. So I and J, you have that dot, and that dot is called a tittle. So the tittle yes. was used then to um, mark letters out as having certain properties, right? So the tittle marks the sound of the vowel as being longer, and it marks it out as being a, an individual um, character. <clears throat> the dot on the small letter I began to appear in 11th century Latin manuscripts to distinguish the letter from the stroke of another letter, such as M or N. Uh, but also, it was originally a diacritic, and that means a special mark added to a letter to indicate maybe a different pronunciation, a stress, a tone, or a meaning. But it was reduced to a dot with the introduction of the Roman-type fonts. So the letter Y was also written with a top dot in Old English and Early Middle English during the centuries when I tended to be written with a closed loop at the top and was kind of almost indistinguishable from the lowercase thorn. So the, the tittle is a way of marking letters as distinct from one another. Yes. Yes, and so when the, letter, the, the, the um, writing flows as cursive, then it's very easy to lose these um, up yes. and down strokes. So if you're writing the word... Um, minuscule. Minuscule, yes. Forget about it. You need yeah. those tittles there. Yeah, without the tittles, it's hard to know yep. where the M, if, whether it's M's or U's yes. or, yes, it all, all just gets all, right. all bunched in together. So the tittles mark out the I's. I found that tittle is a variant of title, a word borrowed from Latin where in the sense a small piece was used. And that's kind of where you also get jot and tittle. Right. And what's the, the jot? Well, the jot comes from the Hebrew yod, 
when you think about the progression of yod to yod to iota to yot to jot, you can see how it kind of... Yeah, you can see how they would morph, how it would evolve yes. in, in uh, pronunciation. Sure. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. The jot is uh, the curly loop, right? Well, a jot is actually just a small bit of something. So let's look at the letters J and I and T. So the stem, the bar going down on the J and the I and the T, those are considered to be jots. They're just small little lines. But then again, you get into all this weird typography anatomy where when you extend the J and curl it, it becomes a tail. You know, when you have stuff like serifs that are defining different aspects of these letters in typography. But the jot is technically just, it would be the, the stem of the letter of the I, for example, and then the tittle would be the dot. So the curly part of a T, does that, uh, like the foot of the T, is that also a kind of jot? It's the tail. It's just called a tail? Yes, like a, a Y. So going down from the top of the character, we've got tittle, jot, tail. Yes. Technically, the typography term for the jot is the stem. So if you're talking about in typography terms, it would be the tittle, the stem, and the tail. But yes, technically, the, the stem is the jot. And jot's just, it's a, just small a small piece. piece, you know? That is jot interesting. Jot something down, yeah. And a tittle is a pip on a dice. And a pip on a dice is a dot on a dice. Yes. Right. Cool. Okay, we find these everywhere. Well, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Titillate means to gently or lightly excite. So just a small amount of excitement. Yes. Okay. Like the tittle, titillate. We could have chocolate as well, mm-hmm. a small mm-hmm. piece. I have a great quote from Charles Bigelow, who was a type historian and the designer of Lucida and the Winding font family. So the quote from Charles Bigelow is that he said graphically single letters are a problem. So if you think about there's only two letters in the Roman alphabet that we use alone it's I and A. Yes. Right. So A is always lowercase unless it's the first uh, you know letter in a sentence but we can capitalize I for the per- first person pronoun. But to continue the quote They look like they broke off from a word or got lost or had some other accident. When I shrunk to a single letter, he explains, one little letter had to represent a really important word. But it was too wimpy, graphically speaking, to carry the semantic burden, so the scribes made it bigger, like what you said, Dave, which means taller, which means equivalent to a capital. So that's how it got to be capitalized. important to ask why we even have uppercase or capitalized letters at all. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's a really good question. And uh, I think we could rephrase the question, why do we have lowercase letters? We always think of capital letters as the oddities because we use them less yeah. than the lowercase. But actually, capital letters came first. And this makes sense when we think back to um, how people would have written in the past and what they would have written on. And in the early days of writing, writing was really engraving. You had a very hard substrate that you wrote on and then you used something to carve or score into the 
Like carving into rock. Yeah, carving into yeah rock or maybe wood, and then into even parchment was mm. really rough and uh, hard to make marks into. So you use multiple strokes, and the capital letters or the letters that were used were really angular. So this is why you've got these classical old uh, capital letter styles, which could be drawn completely in straight lines. Yeah, it's got to be really hard to make circles you know <laughs> yeah uh, you couldn't make delicate intricate letters you couldn't make curve, yeah. uh, curved letters yeah, curve, at all curvatures. and you couldn't run your characters together in a cursive style yeah. um, so the old style was uh, unical it was what's called majuscule script which means large size script mm-hmm. and um, so these were the original letters people used when they were writing on parchment and then over time softer substrates were developed such as uh, vellum for writing more quickly and more comfortably. So vellum is animal skin. So capital letters were first. These uh, large letters were just the norm. And then as people were able to write more quickly, they yeah. didn't have to score with a, a quill or with mm-hmm. a, any sharper in- implement. They could run these characters together into a sort of Greek-style, curly, uh, fancy lowercase font. Yeah, you could save space and time too if you're creating all of these smaller letters for these bigger letters. So you save a lot of time. So the scribes really could race through their um, the writing tasks that they, they had. Yeah, and then the uppercase letters kind of uh, were reserved for more special purposes. So yeah. capitalizing uh, the first word of a sentence or proper nouns or, you know, the pronoun yes. I... Um, yeah, they were used um, for certain purposes, and now we don't use them as much as mm-hmm. they were used then. And it wasn't there wasn't really a rule early on about when to use them. Let me ask you a question: Do you know where the words lowercase and uppercase come from? I have no idea. Oh, I do. I found out. So when the letters for the typesetters they were kept in these metal cases, the smaller letters, which were used most often, were kept in a lower case that were easier to reach. Okay, so it's literally case as in a box. Yes. And the capital letters, which were used less frequently, were kept in an uppercase because you didn't need to use them as often. So you put them up high in the shelf. Well, now we know. That's a fantastic bit of information. All right. Great. Um, I want to ask you, have you ever used um, a nib and an inkwell before? I never, ever have. Never would. Well, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you Shall I? Is that kind of a stupid leeway? No, no, do it. I'm making an excuse to tell my romantic story. Tell us about it. No, I feel stupid, though. Yeah, it is stupid, but tell me. I'll edit it out anyway. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Don't edit it. Please tell me your story. Thanks for listening to us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks to Justin for the music, Mew Media for the artwork, and a big high five to Jeff at Central Sound and Picture. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter at The Owlish Folk. Send us questions or comments to theowlishfolk at gmail.com.